Sergeant, make it spin. Spin? Shh. Sir, it doesn't spin. What? It has to spin. It's round. But spinning is so much cooler than not spinning. I'm the general. I want it to spin. Now. Yes, sir. Hey, look at that. Hello, I'm Zach. And I'm David. And this is The Other Side of the Gate, a Walking Through the Stargate podcast. We are a semi-regular show where we will talk about plot points of recent or older episodes, or in the case of today's episode, future episodes of Stargate SG-1, uh, relative to where we are with Walking Through the Stargate, the original podcast, uh, how they have impacted or will impact the show uh, in the present and music going forward, all of those things. We're going to call out various ideas and uh, uh, concepts and moments that you should have been paying attention to. Yep, Zach and I uh, have both watched SG-1 many times. Uh, we can both be a bit trivia obsessive. And like finding those little details because it's those ooh ooh I know what I know what's going to happen with that because you know they're going to be important someday. I'm also a bit of a research nerd and I'm happy to spend way too much time chasing trivia and tracking down the stuff to find out what the meaning is. Like you'll see in a little bit when I compare the Prometheus to uh, the USS Gerald Ford. That was an interesting <laughs> bit of trivia to follow there. So I'm happy to do my research. I am glad that you do that because right now I, as much as I enjoy digging into that, I don't have the time for that. Well, so I don't I'm either, really thankful. Yeah, I do it. Well, okay, fair, but still, I'm still glad that you're doing yeah. it. <laughs> Happy to do now, it. Now, on Walking Through the Stargate, uh, the original podcast, Brent and I, of course, review each episode in order, one at a time. Brent is watching each episode for the very first time, and so we get to, among other things, uh, live vicariously through him as this is newly unfolding for him. And that is awesome, but that also means that we can't talk about the spoilers. We can't talk too much about how this episode uh, impacts and, and transforms the next three years or whatever it is. Uh, we need to keep Brent's experience and reactions Pure. Yeah. At least that's the, the idea. Apart from confirming for him that, yes, that was indeed important. Um, so yeah. um, on this show, Brent's not here. I don't think he is. I, I, I talked to him earlier today, but he's not here with us. So Brent. 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 No, no he would have spoken up nope. by now. So nope. uh, no, Brent. we don't have to worry about spoilers. That being said, if you don't want to be spoiled, why are you listening? This is a spoiler show, so stop listening now. Okay, I think they're gone. Okay, okay, they're gone. Now, uh, you all already know this, but uh, I'm going to tell you anyway. If you want to get a hold of us, if you want to contact us, talk to us, you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. You can, of course, go to our website, wtts.space, or if that's just too nebulous for you because, you know, it's space, uh, you can go to walkingthroughthestargate.com. That works as well. Uh, we've, of course, got our Facebook page, our Facebook group. Uh, go ahead and hit that like button, the follow button, the join button, the, uh, I don't know, my dance around button, whatever it is. Uh, hit all of those buttons. Yeah, like, Smash them all. Like Just, everything. Absolutely. Uh, you can also go to Twitter and follow us at Stargate Walking. 
And, of course, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Uh, as we put these episodes on our Patreon, there are comment sections there that you can, if you want, uh, comment and talk about what we're talking about here, if you want. Right. So. And that's where those of you who subscribe get to hear this very podcast and your uh, Stargate Second Chances podcast for the very first time before everyone else, but everything hits their main feed at some point. I'm still trying to figure out what the right ebb and flow of that is. I got you. And uh, we're working on that. Yeah. But uh, it's just say eventually uh, when the spirit moves us, that's when it's time to be released into the wild. Yep. Yep. Um, so if you have any suggestions about specific topics that we can address on this podcast as we can just kind of dig into some of the the meta narratives of the show and how things connect to one another so if you have anything that you want us to talk about or you think that we should talk about uh please email us or send a message to david or myself on facebook uh let us know uh what those ideas and thoughts are uh, and we will definitely put them on our list, and uh, very likely we'll talk about them. I can't promise that, but probably. We did have one suggestion through Facebook uh, from Sean, who says he likes the discussions about wormhole physics and sci-fi physics in general. And I agree with you. Those are very interesting subjects, and they kind of factor into our subject today. Sort of, kind of, not completely. Not a lot of wormhole physics, but there's going to be some interesting sci-fi physics that come up as this for this episode, a, a few points here and there, but that might also be a, a good subject to search on on its own, see if we can find any interesting details about, you know, sci-fi physics yeah. inside of Stargate. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to mull that over to figure out exactly how to frame that one, but I think that's actually a worthwhile thing to talk about at some point in time. Yeah. Uh, Zach and I usually have a few subjects in the queue that we're working out ideas on, uh, but a lot of times it just comes down to the week before of, so what do you want to talk about this time? Yeah. And we yeah. find what, something interesting. Pressure is a is great motivator. What is to talk about yeah. at this point in yeah. time? So, yep. So last time on uh, episode three, we talked about um, ex- the exposure of the Stargate program. Accidental, deliberate, uh, sneaky, someone finding out somehow about the Stargate program, but only up through season five, which is again, right about where walking through the Stargate is right now at the time of this year recording on February 25th, 2021. So with the concept of this show, of what's happened in the past and how does it affect the future, just kind of a a brief recap of what's happened in the past in episode three. But the focus of this one is gonna be how have those exposures affected the Stargate program, SG-1, going forward. So we're going to be looking at stuff that hasn't happened yet on the show. Now, obviously, in prior podcasts, we've talked about other things going forward. We're not going to talk about, you know, Gould cloning programs or how many ball clones there are. But it's more about exposure of the Stargate program, what has happened in the, in the past that affects what's going forward. Right. Um. So... Without like fully recapping completely and totally the epic multi-hour podcast that was episode three, yes, um, what were some of those highlight moments, those significant exposure moments from uh, the first five seasons? 
to me, you know, there's a bunch of little stuff that was fun, but not a huge impact. I mean, everything cumulatively adds up. But for me, it's anything involving spaceships or explosions in space. You know, in Nemesis, we had an Asgard spaceship crash into the ocean. We've had Hatox blowing up in space near Earth. Mm-hmm. Nakwada asteroids just appearing on one side of the Earth. Surprise! I mean, certainly, you know, think about how many professional radio telescopes we have. And then all the amateur te- observers, and yet they discovered, they said, oh yeah, we found the guy who found it, and we uh, gave him some money and told him to shut up. And therefore, no one ever saw the asteroid. Surely, Jodrell Brank or someone also saw this asteroid in space. But, you know, that was a big moment. Uh, but yeah. in plot-wise, I think the ones that are going to, that have had or will have the biggest impact is Nemesis with the aforementioned Asgard spaceship crashing into Earth because that opened up the Russian Stargate program. And for me, uh, the episode Desperate Measures, kind of a throwaway episode, but there's a lot of stuff that happened in in that one with Adrian Conrad which gets mm-hmm. leads to bigger exposures coming through. I mean, we're coming up on another Adrian Conrad episode in episode six, but there's a lot of stuff going on in that one. And then there's one other right. one, I can't think of the name of it, that involved a member of the press getting wind of the Stargate program. And that's going to be a big issue as well. We've got at least two other episodes that deal with the press are getting wind of the Stargate program or getting involved in the Stargate program. Right. What about you, Zach? So um, I would totally agree with those as, as sort of the highlights. Um, the one that I that you kind of touched on, um, but is probably the single biggest, most important uh, exposure event uh, it, for me in these first five seasons is is the Russians, uh, and of course you know they. They have some inkling of it. We we learn this because they have a DHD from Egypt uh, from before. But when when Thor's ship crashes and then they actually get their hands on a Stargate, um, that moment right there that is a seminal moment. That is a significant turning point uh, in in global politics and in global processes. Uh, in the Stargate universe. Yeah, it goes from um, a secret program being run out of Cheyenne Mountain to um, another government running a separate Stargate program and, you know, hilarity ensues. So, yeah, that's right. a, a big international exposure. It's still somewhat contained, but we'll see by the end of this season that's not going to be the case. But that, and that's the thing, is like that one moment Absolutely. there uh, just snowballs. Um in fact, you know, if it weren't for that moment, we, they, they probably wouldn't have found uh, Atlantis. They, you know, I mean, just the way the story unfolds, maybe they would have, who knows. But, but uh, you know, it just affects profoundly everything that happens moving forward. Right. Um, you know, w- so. because the Russians found a gate, they get a gate program. Because we're running two competing Stargate programs, we now have an international team. Because we have international teams, we eventually have to tell the rest of the world about it. Because we eventually tell the rest of the world about it, we have to get get the international team going to Atlantis. And then ultimately Mm -hmm. we have international outposts on 
other planets that lead to Stargate Universe, where we have a largely civilian with a few bit of military presence on a Stargate TV show. So yeah, it all snowed. Not only that, but by the time you get to like season eight or so, uh, seven and eight, somewhere in that split, uh, uh, eight and nine, I guess yeah. is really where the split is. Uh, it, you know, the, the U.S. government ceases to be the primary uh, financier yeah. of the Stargate program. Yeah, we have the International um, Oversight Association. I'd have to look up what it stands for. The IOA that is running everything. Right. It's not a yeah. U.S. program. It's not a military program. It's an international program that they're still trying to keep secret. Yeah. Now, I right. uh, reached out to Brent today, and I kind of asked him the same question, knowing that he's only seen through Season 5, not even all of Season 5. And I asked him, uh, in all the episodes that you've seen today, what was the most egregious? How does the rest of the world not know about the Stargate program or Aliens of the Goa Old Moment or Moments? And he mm -hmm. gave me three. Uh, he tagged Wormhole Extreme, which I would completely agree because it's a giant spaceship. And it literally flies onto a television set. Yes. <laughs> now, I will argue that it's a throwaway episode. I know it happened, but it's kind of a... It's a laugh episode. Yes, it happened. It's exposure, but uh, they were just going, wow, that's great special effects. I wonder how they did that. I don't know. We'll fix it in post. Uh, he also threw out the same thing, Nemesis, with the Asgard ship crashing to the Pacific. And mm -hmm. then he threw out one that you and I forgot about. In season one, Cold Lazarus and Crystal Jack, or as he said... Oh, yeah. Um... Where do you say it? Oh, he said, oh, and who can forget about Crystal Jack? All that whole that whole hospital saw freaky stuff. Yeah, the fake Jack that was made out of the blue crystals from the alien planet was in a civilian hospital doing stuff. Yeah, his ex -wife, and irradiating everybody. Yeah, his <laughs> ex-wife saw their son again as a crystalline entity or whatever. There was a lot of stuff that just happened that we have all forgot, kind of forgot about, including you and I forgot about that one. Yeah, But that was, I don't even know if the Stargate program knows about that one. I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch that one again. But yeah, he was absolutely right in that one. So I think we all agree on Nemesis as one of those major turning points in the whole meta-narrative of the show. Yep, Even though it absolutely. didn't seem like much at the time because it was more centered around replicators, but it really has a massive impact. But we want to yep. talk about what's coming up. So that's everything yes. that's happened. So let's talk about the future. We're going to jump right into Season 6. All right, hit me up. So, What's happening in Season 6? Jonas Quinn. We got, Jonas. We got yes. another alien living on Earth who's experiencing, like Teal did, everything for the first time. He's got his banana obsession. Uh, he's got his human food is wonderful thing going on. <laughs> And yep. if you recall from the video that he sent us, he said he's got a story to tell at some point about why he wasn't allowed to eat on set anymore. And having well, to do he with... he ate too yeah. much. He ate a lot of food. There's a <laughs> lot of shots of Jonas just going, milkshakes are wonderful. And Samantha Carter going, you can't live on milkshakes. Yeah. But it's, again, another alien, albeit a very human-looking alien, because most humans or most aliens in the Stargate universe look like humans because of plot. But, you know, he's still an alien. But that's True. a whole season six thing. Jonas Quinn. Well, and that leads also to other points in Redemption. Uh, that arc culminates with the Betagate 
going kablooey. Yeah. Uh, so talk about another giant explosion in the atmosphere of Earth. Well, actually, that blows up outside the atmosphere. Yeah. But still, um, <laughs> you know, uh, that that's no small potatoes there. Yeah. Jonas affects uh, a lot of stuff. Yep. And even though he's only going to be with us for mostly one season, he'll show up once or twice here after that. Um, it's a big change in the show. Um, mm-hmm. Well, when you get to that episode, I'm sure you'll bring up the story of how he came about. So we'll, I'll leave that for you and Brent to talk about. But yeah, it's a big okay. plot point. So after yeah. that, we get uh, the episode Descent, which follows Redemption. I think it's episode three. Where we yeah. find an, a supposedly abandoned Hatak orbiting Earth that crashes into the ocean. So here's another alien spaceship crash in the ocean that no one seems to notice. Yeah. Now we find out it wasn't necessarily abandoned. It's holding on to uh, Thor's consciousness and he kind of drove it there and gets Thor back and all that. But yeah, it's just another, oh look, another spaceship crashes to Earth. Yeah. Now, speaking yep. of uh, spaceships, we got the episode Nightwalkers. Now, this ties back to yes. Season five's Desperate Measures. Indirectly, but it is tied back to it. Uh, because yep. we got an Oregon town filled with, or not filled totally, but uh, taken over by clone gold symbiotes. Uh, cloned by the same group that was kind of working with uh, Adrian Conrad. Uh, I... Don't I think it's the same goal that got implanted in Adrian Conrad, but they cloned it. No one knew about it at the time. But the Nightwalkers refers to that. Uh, the goal are only active at night. But uh, they're right. building a spaceship, amongst other things. So this is kind of an aside, um, but when it comes to Nightwalkers, so the first time I saw Nightwalkers, it was the first episode that I had seen with Jonas Quinn. And I hadn't seen how season five ended oh. <laughs> when I saw Nightwalkers for the first time. And so I'm like, who is this new guy and where is Daniel? Did they recast Daniel and change his name? I, yeah, well, yeah exactly. they did actually, like, but you know. Well, yeah, kind of. Um, so That's an in- yeah. interesting episode. Uh, no, wasn't completely your first episode, but it's still an interesting I missed a couple episodes. Wow, things have changed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in that episode, these ghoul symbiotes are not only have they taken over an entire town. Uh, the NID is there watching out, yeah. watching them, um, and almost loses containment there. Yeah. Um, and they're all trying to build a ship. Did. Uh, yeah, and the ship never takes off. But gosh darn, if that had, that would have been. Yet another sh- alien spaceship flying yeah. into orbit. Yeah, this time leaving orbit rather than crashing on Earth. Of course, we've mm-hmm. had probably had a few episodes that they never showed. Like, we know uh, Hatox, not Hatox, but uh, Heltax, I can't get the names all right, have brought various people back to Earth. I don't right. know if they're landing in Nevada somewhere or they're ringing them back, but you know. We've been visited well, by keep alien in mind spirits. that the Teltax generally can cloak. That's true, and so can the Asgard ships, except when they're crashing into the Pacific. Right. Yeah. I mean, as a general rule, the Hataks can't. Yeah, they're a bit big um, for that. Yeah. But yeah, when um, we find a, a, a Hatak in orbit, 
yeah, that's again one of those. You know, we got good telescopes. We can see into deep space. We can get pictures of other galaxies. Did no one see this yeah. big pyramid ship floating in space? Yeah. Apparently not. Uh, apparently not. I guess in this reality, we don't have great telescopes. We just have deep space radio telemetry. Right. I, I don't know. Uh, so after sure. that, we get an episode that is largely, I won't call it a throwaway, but it is a setup for other stuff. We get the episode called The Other Guys, where we get two civilian scientists uh, becoming heroic types and saving the universe or whatever on there. But one, right. it's civilian scientists doing stuff. But it's going to feed into a couple other episodes later on. We're going to introduce two characters. I think, has Dr. Lee already been on the show once? Or is this, is this going to be his first yeah, episode? Dr. Doctor Lee was in um, the first episode with uh, Cadet Haley. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, with the Killer Light. Prodigy. Bugs. Yeah. Prodigy. Right. Yeah. So he was introduced there. He's gonna gonna have a hero moment in this episode along with another scientist. But it's again, it's about bringing in more civilians and any civilian, well, anyone brought into the program. But if we got civilians, it's just more NDAs and more leaks we gotta potentially deal with. But yeah, the episode itself is fine. It's been a while since I've seen this one. It doesn't stand out to me as a well. That was a great episode, but my. First thought is maybe it's maybe it's the other one with Felger, but yeah. Felger is more than a little bit misogynistic, yeah. and it's a problem. Yeah, well, yeah. If um, I recall, it's Lee and Felger in this one, and Felger is going to have problems in later episodes. He, yeah. he, he's going to—I won't say he takes on a villain role, but he becomes an antagonist in one episode that we'll be talking about. Um, that leads us to the next one, which is Prometheus and Unnatural Selection. Uh, is that a two-part? Yeah, is that, it, right. It's sort of a two-part. It's not part one and part two, but Prometheus ends on a a note that is continued in the next episode. So it's okay. a two-parter, but there, yeah, I I don't view them as a part one, part two. It's just more the continuing okay. adventures of. So tell us about Prometheus. Right. So it's been a while, but the uh, that since I've seen it, but as I recall, there is there's a reporter who has learned some stuff about some stuff about the Stargate and has become a problem and they solve it by giving her access to witness the Prometheus right. and to see this. Yeah, she's learned about um, a project codenamed Prometheus and said, I know everything about it. I know the money is being spent. I demand answers. And is it fine? We'll take you in your film crew. We'll show you about Prometheus, but you got to keep quiet about it. But the problem right. is, her film crew is not who they th we think they are. And it's really just right. a ruse for Adrian Conrad, who, for some reason, even though Jack found him in that one episode at the NID safe house, somehow he got away. I don't know. That's a little I'm a bit unclear. I'd have to go back and look at that one. But Yeah, well, no, so he... I mean, presumably a non-NID, uh, rogue NID group took control, took over his prison. Right. And so the U.S. government still has him under in custody. Right. And we know Frank Simmons gets involved because he's also part of this plot. Oh, yes. Yeah, because, you know, Frank Simmons, he's, uh, let's just call him, he's uh, 
the Goulds sponsor on Earth. He's the one responsible for getting him there and getting him in a host, so he's kind of working with them. Now, a story aside, we've got Adrian Conrad, which brings into the whole business people know about it because somehow some business guy found about found out about the Gould on Earth, probably again through Frank Simmons and other people. But the bigger issue is we got the Prometheus itself launching yeah. from Earth into space. Now, yeah. admittedly, it launched out of the middle of nowhere, Nevada. This is not an X-301. This is not some aircraft people can go, wow, that's that's a fancy-looking aircraft. This is, well, by other ship standards, not a huge spaceship, but it's a huge spaceship. Uh, here's where I got into too much research. Okay. The X-303 was 639 feet long, 195 meters long. That okay. is the size and height of the MetLife building in New York or the Shell building in New Orleans. They are about the same size. I've been to the Shell building in New Orleans. That's not a small building. Hmm. It is twice as long as the largest cruise ship in the world. And I've seen that cruise ship. I haven't been on it, but I've seen it docked. And that is just a massive, massive ship. And it's about the two-thirds the size of a Nimitz-class aircraft carrier, uh, such as the largest aircraft carrier in the world, the USS Gerald Ford, which is about 1,100 feet long. So yeah. this is not a small ship. And it's taking well, off you've from Nevada. If you had the Gerald Ford taking off and flying through space, I mean, to break the atmosphere takes a lot of power and energy. Yeah. And that makes a lot of noise. Um, people in people would have noticed yeah. that. And even so, it it didn't take off straight up like a rocket did. It just kind of flew off. So it had to, you know, fly and get orbit. Sure, it left Arizona. I'm assuming not Arizona, Nevada. And you know, there's only two places in Nevada: Reno and Las Vegas. So there's a lot of empty land. But still, this is should have been a noticeable event. I'm sure Indeed. they had some kind of cover story uh, that we uh, tested a, a new uh, rocket, and that's what you saw. That was that whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's it. A, wasn't it was just a weather balloon? Yeah, and and you <laughs> saw you know reflecting swamp gas off the weather balloon in combination with Venus reflecting. Wait, that's a different movie altogether. But right. but no. it's just, as we've been saying, it's another oops moment. And this was a, definitely an accidental exposure. Now, mm -hmm. what I find really impressive about it is they built this underground. That's impressive. Yeah. Because when they go under there and then the whole, they see the ship and go, wow, that's pretty big. And then they open up the hangars and it's just pulling Earth aside to launch this big spaceship. It's like, holy dang. So so here's my, you know, question is, did they build that facility for the purposes of building the X-303? Or was that in Nevada from the United States government for some other reason that they thought, hey, this would be a great place to build this spaceship. You know, that's a, a darn good question. I wonder if it's part of that um, multi-trillion dollar off-the-books budget that Senator Kinsey's always complaining about. You know, mm. got to justify 
spending money on stuff. Now, I'm sure he liked a spaceship. Well, yeah. But because that's what he wants. He wants to go out and fight people. But no, he has his own agenda, so he probably approved that. Um, good question, though. My guess is that it was built for the Prometheus. But think of how quickly they've done it, too. They got the X-303 in was that season uh, X-301 in Season 4, was it? Or was that in Season 5? Four. Season 4. Okay. So in two seasons, they've gone from a prototype fighter ship to a hyperspace-capable spaceship. Right. Well, it, well it's of. theoretically hyperspace capable. Yeah. Um, that doesn't actually come into play even as a feasibility until we get Nequadria. And we haven't even talked about that. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's the whole Jonas Quinn storyline and such. But they do, um, they do end up in a different part of space. I forget. I'm going to have to go back and watch. I, only, I watched it a couple months ago, but how they did the jump, which leads into the episode Unnatural Selection. But that all takes place mm. off Earth. But somehow they get off of out of Earth's orbit unnoticed and then go have adventures. And it's also where, uh, well, we lose Adrian Conrad and where uh, Frank Simmons becomes a gold for about five minutes. Uh, yeah. And then he gets space. Yeah. So, you know, it's the end of that plot line. But that whole business people knowing about the Stargate program, that's going to continue on. Gould on Earth is going to continue on because we've had him. We've got Nightwalkers, which is Gould on Earth. And as we'll see, we've got Ball coming up who's running his own program on there. Right. So this now, is... I think that the Nightwalker Goulds are all taken care of. Yeah, they are. They all had that special trigger in them that you could uh, basically kill them without harming the host. Yeah, they, they were... Yeah, they were clones. They were built to be a thing. But it's yep. just more Gould on Earth. I mean, going back to the first one of uh, Seth of Gould on Earth. So mm. they've been around on yep. Earth for a while. There's probably even more we don't know know about. Probably a few that are just lying low and going, you know what, I, I'm not a megalomaniac. I just want to live my life and you know keep some slaves or something like that. I don't know. We don't really right. touch on that. I just completely made up that plot point. Fair yes, I do. I'll, I'll let it slide. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, then we have Sight Unseen. Now, this was one of my early episodes as well. This is in, okay. my, in my first watch where I had been watching a little bit out of order. So tell us about Sight Unseen. Well, so this is the episode where they come across this alien device and it uh, taps into a different dimension of space and creates this uh, field around people and things. And uh, as a result, uh, people affected begin seeing these space bugs uh, that live in a different uh, plane of existence so we can see them. And on some level, they're interacting with our space because they're walking over walls and they're climbing over computers, screens and such. Uh, but... Uh, beyond that, there's no direct connection to them other than that now we can see them. Yeah. And this gets out, and so it's not just SGC personnel. It's people all across Colorado, and then it starts to break free beyond Colorado, yeah. too, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and, um, and who was the first person in the program to be affected by it? 
uh, Jonas, Jonas Quinn. Quinn. Yep, he brought Jonas it. Jonas Quinn. Yeah, he got affected by it, and they go, oh, it's nothing. If they had only listened to him, they might have been able to contain it early on. But no, we got that guy in the gas station who's suffering from PTSD because he's mm-hmm. having flashbacks to his um, Iraq war programs, and now he's seeing giant bugs. But he gets a sympathetic friend in Jack O'Neill who helps build the cover story. And says, you know, it's aliens from the planet Melmac, which, good on him for the Alf That's reference. where Alf is from. Yeah, good Alf reference on there. But they, yeah. they have to come up with this cover story, and he's telling them, I'm only going to tell you. In reality, who knows what they had to do, because, again, it's a lot more people who are seeing it. Now, that whole thought of, well, they're already there, and we've got this giant bugs climbing over my computer makes me want to look at my computer and maybe knock something off of it right now, because if they're international... Interna- International? <laughs> Interdimensional bugs crawling from my computer equipment. I've got a problem. Right. I, I don't like that idea. Well, you know, if you can't see them and you can't interact with them, you can't hear them, you can't experience them in any way, does it matter if there happens to be a bug crawling over my computer right now? Yes, it does. No. Yes, it does. No. <laughs> Okay. No, it doesn't, David. Fine. Okay, your computer. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Mine. I, I don't. I, I don't like bugs. I don't like giant okay, bugs. Okay. Well, so I guess there really is only one solution. You're going to have to take a sledgehammer to your computer. Uh, it's company. Do that after we finish podcasting. It's company equipment. I can't. No. I can't do that. No, oh, okay. I'll, well, I'll just get some bug spray. I'll just take care of it. Okay. I got some spray okay, around. Sure. Okay. Sure. So solve that problem. <laughs> And we can move on to Smoke and Mirrors. Smoke and Mirrors. Now, this is one that is fascinating to me because uh, on some level there is exposure, but it's not new and it's relatively contained, although we do learn about the committee, uh-huh. which is a big deal. But in this episode we have uh, somebody who looks like O'Neill shoot Kinsey, uh-huh. if I recall correctly, and ostensibly assassinates Kinsey. Yep. Um, turns out that that was a plot and a ploy, and Kinsey's not dead, which is probably a good thing. And Jack didn't uh, do but it. But somebody was using one of those foothold devices uh, that we saw in that episode yeah. so long ago. Nice before. callback. Yeah. You know, this is one of those things that um, all, what I appreciate so much about Stargate, because you get episodes like this that, that are callbacks to previous things and you have that foothold episode which is more or less a one and done episode it's almost completely ignored from that point on except all of a sudden right here they're like so we still actually have that equipment and it's being used in different ways and we're trying different things with it yeah who's keeping Um, track of that stuff Area 51. Or 52 or 53. I run or out of areas. Or whatever number But someone witnessed it. I, I need to borrow this for a little bit. Why? Um, can't tell you. Right. I need it. Top secret. So, yeah, we got that. We got the committee, which just goes back to show what has been happening. It's one of those. We kind of introduced the concept with the Adrian Conrad of business. Be- I hate. I don't like that. I keep calling it out. You know, Adrian Conrad, because he's really not a huge deal other than the concept of we've got business interests. We've got rich people getting their own hooks into, I don't want to call it the Stargate program, but we'll say the Stargate program. 
their influence. It's NID combined with business to form this. They're trying to run their own operations. And that's a big deal because it will be a big deal going forward. So the committee... And here's also another thing. Yeah. uh, Is that one of the things that this does, though, is it also addresses all of these other things that have happened right we've we've had ships explode in space we've had ships take off from earth we've had ships land on earth or crash on earth we have all of these different things and even if the general population is relatively unaware still of all of this there are people who have a lot of power and influence and money who are taking note they've been paying attention now we are Yes. So, you know, all of these exposures that have happened are now seeing real world consequences. And it's not always a pleasant thing because this particular group of the committee um, do not have the rest of Earth's intent uh, interests nope. at heart. It's strictly, you know, NID self-interest along with business money. We got... indeed. Bill Gates and uh, well, not Bill Gates, obviously. Oh, who I can't think of it. Jeff Bezos. He's he's probably part of it. Uh, probably even. Why can I not remember the names of all these people who are in the news constantly? The guy who runs Tesla, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. I, I, uh, Murdoch. Yeah. Um, I could from, see all you know, these he... people being involved with the committee somehow. Some of them may yeah. think they're there for good. Other ones think they're there for their own nefarious purposes. But you know. Got a lot of people trying to pull the strings there, right? And, and with they, they see this as a legitimate opportunity to advance human civilization and make money on the process. Yes, advance their own agenda, make money, and you know try to bring everyone forward for good or for ill. Usually for ill. Yep. And with all that exposure, we got too many people knowing about it now. We've got rich people around the world. We've got other governments around the world. We've got spaceships taken off from Earth. We've got spaceships crashing into Earth. We've got asteroids that are appear and disappear in hyperspace windows. It's time to tell everyone. Well, it, but it's... So even though, I mean, all of that aside, that's actually not why True. disclosure happens. Yeah. Disclosure happens, which is the next episode, because Anubis is happening. Yeah. And Anubis is coming. And at the very least, uh, the SGC realizes that Anubis is a problem not for the SGC, but for all of the whole planet. And there is no way that SGC by itself has any prayer of protecting the whole planet. And so now they need to release this information so that we can hopefully save our own bacon. Yeah. So we bring in the British, the French, and the Chinese governments bring them into a conference room along with the Russians, and we sit down and say, okay, so here's what's been happening. And they're all like, what? I don't believe you. No, we're not going to, we're not going to, it's all nonsense. And then Thor shows up. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, first, okay, there's, shows yeah, up there's more to it says than that. that. Hey, there's actually truth. Yeah. I love Thor's appearance at the end of that episode. Absolutely. It is absolutely brilliant and what's the line and i also want to say um that is supreme commander indeed um and you know this is this is actually a clips episode and i have to say that as clips episodes go this is a really high quality yeah. one 
Stargate, Stargate um, does good clip shows. Yeah, they do. I mean, early on, you know, when you got had politics way back in season one, um, it it was it wasn't bad. It wasn't awesome. No, it wasn't just wasn't bad. But it did move the plot forward. It did rather than just um, a um, you know like a Stargate ship uh, clip show like Shades of Grey, which was oh, Star Trek. Star Trek. You're right. Sorry, wrong universe. A Stargate episode. I did it again. Okay, to my Star Trek. To my defense, Stargate has an episode called Shades of Grey. Star Trek had an episode called Shades of Grey. Right. And the but Star Stargate's Trek episode episode is way better than Star yes. Trek's episode. Star Trek's Shades of Grey was just a clip show that didn't further the plot apart from I think that's where we in- introduced Dr. Pulaski or whatever. But No, it was one of the la- it was the last episode of that season. Okay, it was the farewell. Whatever. So, but so it was just say farewell to her. It was just a filler clip show. It wasn't it's not memorable apart from ooh. But Stargate's clip shows, while they are clip shows, they move the plot forward and they're good because they throw in some original stuff like exposing the Stargate program to major powers of the world and Supreme Commander Thor. Yes. But yep. that one episode Again, that's now Stargate is now international beyond just U.S. and Russia. We're now U.S. and Russia and France and England and China, and that's just going to bloom out from there. Because right. by the time we get up to Atlantis, which is not too far off, we've got Germans, we've got Australians, we've got people from all over the world who are part of the program. Canadians, Canadians yes, and it's no longer a U.S. military project, but. That's coming up. So right. that gets us through season six. Obviously, there's more episodes in season six, and we may have missed a few minor plot points, but those are some of the major ones in six. So what do you think about season seven? So season seven, the first one we have on our list is Fragile Balance. Clonial. Um, Clonial. <laughs> Love it. Clonial. Yeah. Uh, O'Neill shows up as... As a teenager, um, and you know this is relatively contained. Yeah. Um, but by the time it's all said and done, Clone Neal goes off to school. Yep. And he has all of Jack O'Neill's memories. It's not like yes. they brought a blank slate. They just took Jack and made him younger. Yeah. And gave him fourteen-year-old um, hormones and sent him to high school. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. And wasn't um, this, uh, wasn't Clonial built by Loki, if I remember right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's an. So Loki in an Asgard ship is flying around Earth. Admittedly, he's cloaked, so nobody can see him. So that makes sense. And of course, they beam up and down. Yeah. Um, I do appreciate the, uh, the way that this episode answers, uh, so many people's today's, um, uh, close encounters stories. Yeah. You know, of being beamed up to a ship and being experimented on by aliens and yeah. and all of this stuff. It's been Loki all along. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I appreciate how uh, Stargate answers those questions yeah. and, and those realities. It's not quite a cover story, but it does explain it because we got this rogue Asgard. Is, yeah, I'm going to do my own thing because why not? It's fun. I'm going to learn stuff. Maybe I'll fix our, yeah. our problems on there. Unlike, um, oh, who's the other... At the end, we have the other gold, who's not gold. Asgard is doing experiments. Heimdall 
at the end of this season. He was also doing oh, experiments yeah. to try to save the Asgard. So we got kind of two. We've got Heimdall, the good one, and uh, Loki, the rogue, which kind of fits into the whole Asgard mythos. It does. Yeah, so. It does. Again, plot point, it, it's a fun episode. Now, I would say that on various internet forums, people are going, I know how we can move the Stargate program. Cloneal's going to be an adult by the time the new Stargate episode, if it ever launches, launches. So, there's how we can bring Jack O'Neill back in. We'll bring in Cloneal, and he's going to run the Stargate oh. program because he already has Jack's, all of Jack's memories, at least up to that point. So... There's our out. Of well, course, he won't look like Richard Dean Anderson at that point, but that's fine. No. Um, okay. I, I guess. I, I don't it, know. It's just I mean, internet speculation. Yeah. I, I would just as soon see something different yeah. than that. But um, the only issue is he is there. That is true. We've got several aliens who've been living on Earth. We've got... Um, Dr. Fraser's daughter, Cassandra. We've got Cloneal. We've got a few others that have been dropped off at a school. I can't think of them by name, but you know we've got a few aliens living on Earth already. So maybe right. we have those those um, archaeologists from the the Optricans. Oh yeah, the non-Optricans. Uh, we've got a few of those living on Earth yeah. as well. So um, we got aliens living on Earth. So maybe they'll be part of the future episode. We'll see. And you know, honestly, though, this this whole thing with Cloneal. Um, you know, when O'Neill turned into a robot, that didn't exactly go well. No. Um, I mean, you know, it turned out okay in the long run, I guess. But, but uh, O'Neill is not known for following orders when he doesn't want to. Yeah, and then make him a teenager. And, yeah. <laughs> I mean... We we never see or hear anything about Cloneal again, so presumably he was able to assimilate into normal society, whatever that means. But who is he living with, by the way? Do you recall? I, I, I don't think that's addressed. <laughs> I have to go back and watch that episode <laughs> again. Um, yeah, you realize how silly some of this sounds. We say, well, we've got Jack O'Neill who was made into a robot. We've got the clone Jack O'Neill. We've got the Jack O'Neill from an alternate universe, alternate reality. We got a lot of Jacks running around. Yeah. In in just describing to someone, they're gonna go. That sounds like a stupid show, but it all works somehow. True. Very true. Okay, so after Fragile Balance, the next one we get is Avenger 2.0. Now I brought up this one because it ties back to the other guys. Right. And that's where we get what did you say his name was Felger. Felger, who right? um, he makes this virus that screws up the DHDs. Yeah, it, it kind of fits towards something in the future as well. When we get the uh, Dakar device and they want to activate all DHDs at the same time, so you could almost parallel it to that. But it's a continuation of this scientist who goes rogue. The sci scientists who have been vetted by the Stargate program, given a lot of utilities, and he decides, I'm not giving it enough attention. I'm going to go do stuff. Okay, the plot's more than that, obviously. Right. But it is but, a scientist in the Stargate program with his own agenda. I will say that uh, for the most part, he's harmless. Yeah. And also, uh, most everything that he does does stay relatively self-contained. Right. So it doesn't get 
out, uh, which is, I guess, a good thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if this guy who has been vetted uh, operates like this, who else has been vetted yeah. and might be worse? Right. So We don't know. After that one, we get the sequel to Crystal Skull. And you would think, Chris, why would they write a sequel to Crystal Skull? But they did, at least in the original intent, was to do a follow-up to Crystal Skull. And that's mm-hmm. the episode Evolution, where we get the first e- yes. uh, appearance of the Cull Warriors. Now, it ties to Crystal Skull in that there's a, hey, my grandfather was working on something back in the Honduras where he was looking for the Fountain of Youth, and he was talking about maybe this alien and... I bet that was, and they go on this examination, they head down to the Honduras, and they find, well, the whole plot point of the Cull Warriors and how they got their start back into gold history and the various right. gold involved. But it's Daniel, welcome back, Daniel, uh, to, in the Honduras, finding alien technology, which leads, or has led to the Cull Warriors. But Right. And, and of course... You know, you this leads to you know various um, uh, bandits and pirates who become uh, zombified, yeah, and are now running around Honduras. Um, now, for the most part, this is self-contained and not directly connected to uh, the Stargate program. If you didn't know it was connected to the Stargate program, which I guess is a good thing, but you do have alien technology. That is directly connected to the Stargate processes of things. Uh, that is turning people into zombies yeah. and causing problems in Central America. Now, as a point of personal trivia, this was about the time when I seriously started watching Stargate. Because I remember this episode, and that's where I kind of say, I'm watching all the new episodes right around this time. It's right around Season 7, and I have a memory of this one going... Well, this is odd. I don't know why he's in the Honduras fighting or working with rebels down there, but I'm, I'm I'll buy into it. Right. So it was this. This has got to be so. See, I can't remember exactly when I started watching live episodes, but it would have to be, I think, season seven. Uh, no, it was had been during season six, because uh, you know, with with Jonas Quinn, when I was watching. Yeah. Uh, episodes live because I remember uh, those early episodes of season seven when we get Daniel back and kind of watching those and wondering what's going to happen and just one at a time, yeah. one at a time. Yeah. So, but yep. as I said, this is about where my uh, my live feed started. I had been backfilling at that point by going to watch older episodes when I ki- could, and eventually once I was hooked and saying, "Well, I'm just going to go buy the box set because that's the easier way to watch it." Yeah. And Indeed. I have all 10 seasons of Stargate, and I still occasionally watch them, but there's easier ways to watch it now. So it's an interesting yeah. episode in that it ties into a um, an older episode that you wouldn't think needs a sequel, and it builds on stuff going forward, and it involves basically exposure out in the middle of Central America, and the last place you'd expect the Stargate program to get exposed, or at least right. space technology get exposed, but there it is. Then we have Chimera. Um, okay, episode as I remember it, but it does lead into the important plot point that hangs on for quite a while 
of Samantha Carter starts dating a police officer. She has to come up with, oh, I gotta go do um, stuff plot points. And why aren't you here? Why can't we go out to dinner? What do you mean you're on another planet? Type of plot points. Now, eventually, and I can't remember if it was this episode or not, but eventually she actually does tell him the whole yeah. story. I don't recall it being this episode. I know they were a dating issue for a while. There were some right. issues with uh, Jack getting a little bit... Jealous is a strong word, but going, huh, could have been me, maybe. I don't know. It, it's a few episodes, if I remember the story arc, but this is kind of where, it's, where it starts, that she's got... Right. She's dating someone in the civilian life, and she's got to come up with her own cover stories about why she's been gone for a while, while she, why she's not returning his phone calls. Uh, again, mm -hmm. I probably exaggerate a bit for what's happening, but it's it's a start of that story. So, as we know, yeah. not much comes of it. It is another DeLuise, though. That is. Yeah. That's true. It's the, the DeLuise youngest brother. Yeah. Um, and that brings us to... Heroes, yes, a happy story which... about a film crew recording the day at Stargate Command. And do we really need to recap this story? <laughs> so, no, I... We do. Yes, we do. Uh, th this is arguably the best Stargate has ever produced. Um, it's certainly one of my top favorite episodes. Absolutely. But it is... Such a hard one to watch, yeah. but in terms of the 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 context that we're talking about with exposure, um, it's key. There has been so much exposure that's happening. People are starting to talk. They're you know the the, the Stargate program is becoming an international phenomenon, uh, at least in terms of governments, if not civilian, like general civilians, um, and now the the. U.S. the Air Force is like we need to chronicle this in a way so that when this does get out into the general population, we can say that we weren't just simply hiding information; we were doing valuable stuff, yeah. and we were just not talking about yeah, it because yeah. it was top. It secret. was a secret, but let's talk about it. Let's do it. Let's get a professional film crew with a documentary producer to come in. And show mm -hmm. everything that's going on to kind of lay it out of that's what they do to the best of their ability. And unfortunately, yep. he captures one of the most tragic moments in Stargate. Well, yeah. Um, and But, you know, I appreciate how um, uh, the, the producer appears early on in this two-parter to be a, an antagonist. Yeah. Um, and, and he's an antagonist because he wants the real story. And he's sick of the whitewash story that that Siler and some of the others are trying to paint for him. And and he doesn't want that. He wants the real story. Um, and then he gets it at the end. Um, and... Ugh. Yeah. And it's ugh. one of those... Yeah, we've made it... Well, talking about the movie, the documentary they made. And it's like, yes, thank you. We'll put it on the shelf. We'll release it when we have to. But yeah, mm -hmm. it, it's it's a gut punch episode because we know because the first half is saying we lost someone, but we don't know mm -hmm. who, and we see everyone's reactions. They're kind of telling the story non non linearly, which I love it when a show does a good non linear story like that. I I really like and, that type of story. Yeah, yeah. 
And of course, if you're watching this in real time, um, which I was, yeah, so was I. Uh, there, there were legitimate questions as to whether or not Richard Dean Anderson was going to come back. Yeah. Uh, we knew at this point in time that he was wanting to step uh, down to do less mm -hmm. to be able to spend more time with his family. Um, and so when he was one of the people that could have been killed yeah. in this, um, yeah. And they did a good job hiding it too. Yeah. Cause again, they're kind of showing it out of order. They're showing everyone kind of getting at risk. And when it's actually revealed who it is, it's like, no, Oh no. Oh geez. So yeah, they, they did a tremendous job of hiding uh, well, since y'all have already seen this, and this yeah. is a spoiler episode, Frazier dies yeah. in this. She um, and and that was, I remember watching that for the first time. That I didn't see that one coming. Not at all. Um, you know, uh, I I knew that somebody was injured and hurt. Uh, they even kept it uh, a little bit questionable as to whether or not anybody was dead. If I recall correctly, uh, some injured, severely injured, um, you know, somebody emotionally connected to to uh, Sam, especially. Yeah. Um, but when when they showed that scene, um, that that visceral moment for me was when uh, Doctor Frazier is helping that soldier, and she gets hit, and you just hear her yelp. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That that little yelp. And the, the camera going, you know, cattywampus, uh, was just a moment that just ripped my insides Absolutely. to shreds. And I say they earned the story. It it mm -hmm. all made sense within the story. It wasn't I oh, they chose that. No, it, everything about it was well done. I will agree. It's definitely in a top ten. I don't know. I yeah. put it as, as my favorite simply because, you know, as I said, it's a gut punch episode. But, yeah, it's... It is a very memorable and very well worth it episode, and it definitely ties right. into what we're talking about. Of the whole premise of the episode is stories getting out. We need to uh, we need to get ready for this. Yeah, yeah. Um, which which is really cool because now you have uh, the SGC um, anticipating rather than reacting to right. right. So they're at a point where they know this is coming, and so now they are preparing for it and setting things up so that they can do it in a right way and it doesn't just sort of blow up in their faces. Yeah. And if you think about it, this would possibly be, in the story of the show, a good, we need to tell you about what we're doing and the heroes that work for us, that we're not just... Mm -hmm you know, running our own agenda. We got real people doing real things, furthering real research. And this is an important program. And sometimes important programs have tragic, tragic outcomes. And here's the story. So yeah. in universe, it's a good story for them. And for us, it's a good story. Yeah. It just, it, it hits all the, the, the boxes yeah. for me. So we got another episode coming up. Resurrection. Um, this takes us to uh, the area I live in, to Los Angeles, uh, where we got a rogue NID operation, where we got scientists uh, creating a human gold hybrid, 
And we get to L.A. and we find a bunch of dead people in this NID lab. We got this person, I can't remember her name, running around. And we bring back uh, Dr. Lee again. Anna. 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 Yeah. uh, That's the the girl. Yeah. The young woman. Yeah, the hybrid, the clone hybrid of a gold. I don't know that she has a snake in her head. They know they did their own little thing, but she's like half gold. You know, one or the other is active. I don't think they do right. that. She does not have a snake in yeah. her head. Um, but her physiology but her is. DNA, yeah. Her DNA is partially uh, Sekhmet. Yeah, Sekhmet. Uh, the Gua-Wuld Sekhmet. Uh, and so you have this human woman, Anna, whose DNA also is a Gua-Wuld. And so she kind of functions with somebody with multiple personalities. Yeah. And they... They mainly show it as when Anna falls asleep, Sekhmet wakes up, if Mm -hmm. I recall. But it's an interesting storyline because, for one, it takes us out of the Pacific Northwest. Okay, it's interesting to me. Uh, But, you know, we've got more NID doing stuff. We've got more scientists doing stuff that things have got out. Where did this Sekhmet come from? Who is Sekhmet? Where do they find that gold cloner? So who's running that program that came across this gold? And this is, you know, this is a name. This is a historical, if you wish, uh, historical figure from mythology. This is not some road uh, name they invented like Zipakna, although I think Zipakna is in the Mayan cosmology as well. But yeah, they did I think so. pick a legitimate Egyptian name, Egyptian god. Do you recall... Do you recall where they found Sekhmet? No. How they got that? I'd have to go back and look at that one. Right. Further further, for, further into the future, we get the less familiarity I have with it because it's been longer since I've seen it. I, I, re- yep. I remember them. I remember the episodes. I can read the summaries. And as I read it, I go, oh, yeah, I remember that one. But the ex- specifics, well, yeah, I'd have to get on a wiki and see where did they find Sekhmet. But, yeah, it's, right. it's an interesting idea on there. And then we get to the season seven finale, which spreads out over two episodes. One with a clip show inauguration. Yeah. Um, uh, so this is when we get a new president of the United States. Yeah. And he gets uh, that day one briefing of, Mr. President, we need to talk about something. What? I, I'm just trying to find out where to hang up my suit or something like that. And no, this is, we got to talk about this program called the Stargate program. What? You're pulling my leg. Yeah. Stargate program. No, I'm serious. And this is a, a briefing by the joint uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. But it brings uh-huh. up the question of who knows what in the government? I mean, we got to assume that the incoming president was not just some guy who ran for office and got elected. We got to assume he was involved in the in the government somehow. I mean, sometimes we get right. sometimes we get just some guy who gets elected president. We see what happens with that. But usually they come up from government somehow. So he right. didn't know anything about it because he had to be told. Right. So he, uh, I don't recall if they specify whether he was a senator or a governor or something beforehand. His running mate was Kinsey, yeah. who was a senator. And, of course, Kinsey knew all about this stuff. Yeah. But but he never told um, his, you know. But he never told him. I, yeah. Un- until this time. Yeah. Um, which is actually kind of impressive because Kinsey then was, at least for this situation, 
following his NDA. Yeah. <laughs> but we know he was running with his own agenda. If he wasn't going to get... That's true. He wasn't going to get the presidency, so he wanted to get one step closer to it, become the vice president. Of course, we know how well that paid off for him. Right. But, yeah, it's a cool story because it shows that while we think this program, everybody in the government knows about it, it really is kind of what Kinsey said. Only a few people know about it, and it is a secret program, and we got to keep a lid on it, but we need results from it. And then we get a new guy coming in who says, okay, well, someone else we got to tell. But it's also just one more step that the number of people uh, who know about it is growing. Yeah. And we're getting closer and closer to uh, a, a functional uh, disclosure to the world. Yeah. Uh, we, we're not there yet. And, you know, by the end of Stargate SG-1, we aren't there yet. Yeah. Um, but... There it is. So in season seven, there's been this story arc about the lost city of Atlantis. Yep. It shows up here and there, and it's, it's a chase plot. They're looking for evidence, saying, oh, is it really the story of Atlantis for whatever? And they they come down to, we think it was an ancient outpost, and then we think it's in Antarctica. Which leads us to the episode Lost City and the Battle of Antarctica, which is, I love this episode. Oh, this is a pretty epic yeah. episode. That whole battle is just... You know, they use yes. that battle in the opening credits going forward. It's yeah. just this epic moment of, oh no, we got spaceships, we got fighters, and we will fight the gold head-on. One-on-one, our ships versus their ships, our spaceships, our fighters versus their fighters. And they'll hold their own for we a learned that We learned that the, the X-302... Right, so we had the X-301, which was a couple of uh, Google gliders that we slapped together. Right. We had the X-302, which uh, was basically the same ship as the X-301, but it was completely made by, uh, you know, human engineering, human parts, yeah. you know, earth parts, all of that stuff. Then we blow that one up way back in um, Redemption, right? right? Um, and then we get introduced to the X-303. Right. And so we have the Prometheus... And it's in this episode here where we realize that in addition to all of that, we have now moved the X-302 project to the F-302 right. project. It's no longer an experiment. It's now a class of it's ships. It's a legit fighter. And we have like Squadrons. 30 or 40 of those things. Yeah, we've got a lot of them. And it all culminating in a battle over Atlantis. Now, the whole question is, again... How do you hide that one? Well, the fact that it's in Antarctica uh, helps tremendously. True, the northern because hemisphere won't there see really it. isn't. Well, yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, the 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 giant spaceship coming in. You know, who knows? Maybe maybe uh, the Australians and and uh, the South Americans right. see it. Um, but it's still a massive space battle in space and on earth again it's over and Antarctica. It, there's no way to hide it yeah well actually at this point in time though we actually have anubis um speaking not just i mean you know they they, they blow up civilian ships in the water yeah um so the these aren't just 
you know, this is a very public attack. Yes, it is. Uh, this is probably, if you think about it, the first major Goa old attack on Earth. We've had attempts. We've had little strikes going back into season one that never really did anything. But this is Anubis doing mm -hmm. what he said he was going to do. And he launches an all-out attack on Earth. Yep. And doesn't win. Hooray! And doesn't win. Thanks to Yay! ancient Which technology and little yellow droney things. Yes. So, yeah, I watched this episode again recently because I, I like it. And it's still a lot of fun. Even if I just watched, you know, the last 20 minutes of the drama leading up to the attack, I'll watch the whole series up to that point again. But I was just I want to see the Battle of Antarctica. Okay, queue up, Lost City, episode 7, fast forward, 30 minutes to go, play. Yes! It's a lot of, it's a, it's a fun episode, and, but yeah, course, it's, there's a lot happening in there, but it all ties into what's been happening in season 7, and all the Prometheus experiments, as you said, the X-301, the X-302, all those ships that we've been worried about, does anybody know about it? Well, potentially the whole world knows about it now. Somehow, yeah, we got a good cover for it. But, yep. but And it's worth noting that the the episode that became Lost City was actually a uh, an early movie script. Yeah. From when they thought that the show might uh, end after season five or after season six or something. They were still question marks. And then they... they uh, built the the season seven story arc yeah. to kind of culminate with that it's probably why it's so, got a little bit more of an epic scale to it absolutely yeah yeah as yeah it definitely has that movie scale yeah and they said uh, before it. almost every season ender was written as a potential series ender because they mm -hmm. never know if they're coming back so they you know write a big storyline whether it's a cliffhanger or some big stuff like killing off a main character at the end of season six so there's always something epic happening, and this was one of them. But we also know that this episode on its own leads into Stargate Atlantis. Now, yes. we don't need to talk too much about Stargate Advance Atlantis because we've talked quite a bit about just through Season 7 of um, SG-1. But just mm -hmm. the highlights of Atlantis, we have, as you know, an international crew going to Atlantis. Not military, and there's a few military but a largely civilian with a military presence crew going to another galaxy to establish that. But we've got Canadians, we've got Germans, we've got Russians, we've got Americans, we've got everybody on there on this initial crew. Uh, occasionally we'll have people from Atlantis coming back to Earth. Rodney, Deca Rodney McKay, as we know, is a major character on Atlantis. He'll come back to Earth at some point and attend a conference and has to come up with a cover story of, where have you been for the last few years? Why haven't you published? And they're hmm. using some real-world yep. people in there, and they've got uh, uh, Bill Nye Neil deGrasse Tyson in that one, and they're trying to say, yeah, we we know you. Where you been? Of course, they, I think they established that uh, Bill Nye is uh, Rodney McKay's nemesis on Earth or something like that. <laughs> Which is funny. It's, that does not surprise it's me. It's a fun episode. And then, for those of you who are listening and don't know this, Zach has not seen the last season of Stargate Atlantis, so I'm not going to spoil it here, but for those of you who have seen it, you know what happens at on the last episode of Stargate Atlantis. And the big thing that occurs there that is, well, it fits into our story, an exposure of the Stargate program. So enough said about that one. We'll continue Fair on enough. with uh, SG-1 into Season 8. 
Now, at this okay. point, uh, you know, we've got everything that happens. And we don't have a lot of huge exposures going forward. They've got some interesting points. we got the fun episode called Affinity, where Tilt gets an off-campus apartment. And hilarity ensues. Woohoo! Uh, he's got to wear his hat all the time. He throws groceries at people. Uh, he gets in somewhat involved with the next-door neighbor in a way. It's a fun episode. It's largely standalone, but it's definitely, you know, an alien's going to try living amongst humans, and, you know, things happen. We yep. we got Covenant, which uh, where we get the trust, where we find the trust is what happened to the committee, but it's the Gould infiltrating, essentially, the committee and forming the trust. So we got more business people, but this time Gould business people on Earth, headed by Ball for the most part. Um, yeah. So this all builds off the Alec Coulson storyline of, you know, we've got a business guy who learned about it. They developed the trust or the committee. The committee morphs into the trust and their gold on earth running stuff via business. It's kind of, you know, if we can't have our space empires, we'll have our earth empires. And of course, Alec Coulson in this one actually clones a an Asgard and shows it to the people. You're right. Um, that was not, I was thinking of um, the other guy from the episode I was talking about. Alec Coulson is a new oh. guy. But oh, he, sorry. My no, mistake. you're right. I, I named him, but I used the wrong name. I was thinking of, again, sometimes I get terrible with names, but we've already talked about that guy. Guy who was running the Gould experiments. Uh, anyway, that guy. But we got Alec Coulson, another business guy. Now, this guy's not in it for his own evil purposes, as far as we can tell. Um, he wants to expose Earth. He actually clones an Asgard, as you said. And shows it off, but then he has to come up with a cover story of, it's holograms! Because he finds out exactly how deep he got into. But yeah, he shows off his exposure of the Stargate program to everyone on Earth, theoretically. And then covers it up. Right. But, yeah, it's a... Uh... And then they have to uh, discredit him by, by showing... Uh, a real Asgard in hollow technology yeah. and say, oh, see, look at that. We can make a hologram too. We have our Leaner, own. Neener. Yeah, we have our own Asgard. I can make him talk. Look, he sounds just like Daniel Jackson if he run his voice through a voice modulator. <laughs> yes. Yep. And then we got Endgame, which is more trust added again. I, I don't remember the plot of that one. All I know is it was a major involvement by the trust. But a more interesting yeah, uh, one. To... Is that the one when they have a bomb in a building that they have to beam the building away? Um, or is that a different No, episode? that was actually a little bit earlier, I think. Let me look at it. Uh, no, that's in Season 9, uh, Ex Deus Machina. Oh, okay. But it's similar oh, idea yes. in that we've got the trust getting involved in stuff. Uh, I'd really have to go up and look at what Endgame was about. I That was one of my... Uh, Okay, it involved the trust, but it wasn't a major storyline. That one's coming up. Uh, but then we have Full Alert, uh, Kinsey's last episode. Because Kinsey is a ghoul now, or he's been taken over. And because of this, mm -hmm. we the U.S. and... Uh, we almost go to war with the U.S. and Russians, or sorry, with the Chinese and Russians... Because they know Kinsey's been taken over by a Gould, and they think the U.S. government is under Gould control now. So this whole exposure in the government, between governments, and the lack of trust between governments, and the Gould, and everything that's been happening up to this point, almost 
ends everything for us on Earth, of course. And in fact, we actually learned that there is a Russian leader, uh, high-ranking general, who has been a ghoul ruled for all along some significant amount of time. Yeah, that that's the twist in the episode. It's in some cases it's ghoul trying to pick off pick off other ghoul as well. Mm-hmm. And then Kinsey dies. Of course, how are they going to explain the death of the vice president? Or was he ousted from the vi- vice he presidency at that point? He was no longer the vice yeah. president at that point in time. In fact, I think that, that may have he been was endgame. in prison. They had to get him out of prison yeah, somehow. That may have been Endgame where he was taken out or where he's removed from office. I'd have to go back and check my uh, sum- summations My, my recollection that. is that that happens actually in Lost City in the whole battle stuff, but I oh, could be completely wrong. that's it. right. It was, I expect your resignation on my desk by whatever. You weren't telling me yeah. about, what was your plan? Get out. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. And then we have another... F- oh, well, then we have yeah, another Citizen fun episode. Joe. Yeah, Citizen Joe. So tell us about Citizen Joe. So this is probably the most fun clip show in the history of clip shows. Uh-huh. Um, and it centers around this ordinary guy named Joe who gets a hold of these stones that uh, happen to be communication stones uh, connected to a, an ancient device that get triggered at some point in time uh, connecting him and O'Neill. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he begins to share Jack's memories from the beginning of the Stargate yeah. program. For the last seven years. And then proceeds to write stories. Yeah. These stories. in to his, And then send off these stories to the local sci-fi magazines. So eat it up. Yeah. Yeah. And they got to come in and go figure out what's happening and then... The whole exposure of, what, you've been experiencing a barber's memories for the last seven years? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you never said anything? It was nice. <laughs> it was a nice break. It, yeah. It's also a nice uh, plot point in it in that uh, we know Jack O'Neill's a big fan of The Simpsons, and the guy who plays Joe does the voice of Homer Simpson. So right. we, we got that little meta narrative on there. But it's, yeah, yeah, it's a really good clip show. I, again, going to show that Stargate does great clip shows or, or can do great clip shows. As a general rule, yeah. they do good clip and shows. And they don't overdo it either. I think this is the last clip show. So out of 10 seasons, what do we get? Five clip shows at the most, I think. Yeah, five or yeah, six, maybe. Not bad. Yeah. So yep. those devices, though, do kind of feed into season nine. Um, yes. Um, because when we introduce Vala and Daniel on that other planet, they're actually using very similar or identical devices as a memory communication or whatever. But that doesn't, that's just a push for it. That's not really an exposure bit, but it's just a nice continuation of that device storyline. Right. But And those devices are also what are used to, uh, or similar devices are what are used to communicate uh, with. Uh, universe absolutely yeah they and and the aurora the aurora when when they're on the aurora yeah effectively they allow characters to swap places yeah and they find out the proper usage and it's like okay your consciousness is in my body on earth and my consciousness is in your body on that spaceship so yeah there's a lot of ethical questions there are to deal with yeah absolutely and Um, they they're kind of up front with Oh, they're really doing that. Wow, okay. 
Interesting. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's probably about all we'll talk about with Universe. Right. Other than, you know, in Universe we have a fully international crew, uh, mostly civilians with a little bit of military on a spaceship heading to unknown places. But we've got a senator, we've got a senator's daughter, we've got scientists, we've got the introduction of the whole uh, recruiting program through video games. But, you know, you'll get to Universe at some point. I figured you got about five years until you get to Universe. Yeah, it'll be a yeah. while. It'll be a few days but, before that happens. But we want to focus on SG-1. We've got two more seasons to go through. We, we can seasons. do it. All right. So Season 9, right. The Ties That Bind, introduces the IOA. This is where, as you said, the Stargate program ceases to be a U.S. military program and becomes an international program with the International Oversight Agency, which kind of waffles between good guy, bad guy. Sometimes we hate them, sometimes we like them. It depends on who's in charge. Yep. And it also introduces yep. uh, Vala Maldoran, um, another alien joining the SG program, mostly part-time in Season 9, um, but she's an ex-Gould. So not only mm-hmm. is she another alien, she used to be a bad guy. And she's a fun character. Oh, we, we actually skipped over the episode when we were introduced to that Vala is true. in, I think, Season 8, yeah. when she... Uh, literally steals the Prometheus. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, I can't remember if they, she steals it from Earth or if she steals it from space. Uh, no, no, she um, steals it on another planet. She uh, threw oh. um, one of the bad guy groups that they introduced after the fall of the gold. Um, Daniel Jackson in the Prometheus gets lured out into space and then, yeah, plot. But it's not an exposure story because it takes place off planet. But yeah, she steals the Fair enough. Prometheus. Yep. We get it back. But then she shows up That's going, good. Hi, remember me? And yeah. joins SG one. Cool. Okay, whatever. Whatever you say. Woohoo. Um Yeah. My cat is named Vala yeah. after this character. I, I don't have any pets named after Stargate characters, so you win on that one. Well. Yeah, uh, so, well, yeah, the IOA becomes an important plot point. It's part of Atlantis. It's part of the Stargate program going forward. Of course, Season 9 introduces a lot of changes to SG-1. Uh, Jack O'Neill is phased out. He eventually runs the Stargate program, but he also leaves. We get the introduction of General Hank Landry, who's running the SGC. Uh, we have get basically the getting the team back together storyline after the end of Season 8. So big changes right. on it. Some for good, some for, I won't say ill, but some changes are, well, that's a change already. Because uh, mainly the gold are gone. And we got the introduction of a new enemy in the Ori. Uh, but yep. before we get to that, we got a few more gold stories. Uh, we got Ex Deus Machina, where we find dead Jaffa on Earth. Where Garrock, the mm-hmm. new mm-hmm. gold loot leader... Gold. No, the new Not Jaffa the gold, leader, uh, the one, Jaffa leader. Yeah, who's one, risen to prominence, uh, risks a conflict with Earth after dead Jaffa on Earth. But we find out it's Baal who's behind it. And this is where Baal tries to blow up Seattle. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and we also learn that... we. This is where we're introduced to the clones yeah, of Baal, Yeah, we find out too. Baal has clones everywhere. And pretty much any clone or any right. Baal we've seen has probably been a clone of an original... Of the original ball, maybe maybe we saw him in Summit. I'd like to think that was the original one, but we don't know how long his program's been going on. Right, 
once we get to this point, we see Ball a whole lot of times, and never once are we uh, clear on definitively which Ball is the original right. and which are the clones. Until we get to the very um, final SG-1 ever uh, in Continuum, which deals with the execution of the one last remaining ball as far as we know but you know right yeah. but that may or may i don't do i can't remember it's been a long time do they actually identify him as the quote-unquote original well in plot they say this is the last ball whether he's the original or not they say it, it, it is the last remaining one and i'll add right. parenthetically as far as we know right but um so um, ex deus machina where we want to blow up seattle where the Jaffa mm -hmm. want to war against the Earth because of all the dead Jaffa, but you know balls behind everything. He basically turns, as you said, uh, one building in Seattle into a bomb, into a Nakwana bomb. And then they have to beam it away. Yeah. Um. Which talk about exposure. Yeah. And where that building taking goes. a skyscraper in Seattle and beaming it away, and they talk. They you know they 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 have a cover story about. Uh, you know, spontaneous uh, destruction, you know, raising of the building and such, yeah. um, you know, hush, hush. But nobody who actually thinks about things buys it because everybody after this point are like, hey, that's, there wasn't anywhere close to enough rubble for a whole yeah. building to be there. Yeah. What's going on? And I've been to Seattle. There's a lot of people walking around there, and that was something that should have been noticed, a building just going poof like that even if they say it was being demolished so yeah yeah well when you demolish a building like that you clear things i mean, I guess admittedly they they were actively working to um evacuate the area yeah so so you do have that so you would have had limited eyewitnesses yeah so i'll give them that yeah, it, it's a, a a possibility. It's, again, just one of those interesting points. It's a convenient plot point that they were able to beam it away while demolishing the building that was scheduled to be demolished. So we'll go with that. It's uh, yeah, Maybe it's a, a good cover story. We'll see. Uh, but then we get right. The Fourth Horseman, which uh, mirrors our last year, maybe a little bit too close, where the Ori bring a pandemic to Earth. So we have the potential of the disease yes. wiping out everything on Earth and all life. And, of course, we fix it much quicker than we fixed our current situation. Because it's TV. We can't have that going on for so for so long. But, you know. Well, you know, we do have it going on for two whole episodes. That is true. Two episodes. And I think this is a mid-season uh, finale. Yeah, it so is. So there was... A lengthy time when we had to sit there and wonder how things are going to end, but it yeah it still ends up yeah. you know like oh look at that magic yeah yeah that at that point we know Garok has uh, joined the Ori the former leader of the Jaffa he says no origin is the way this is his redemption moment because he cures everybody yep. with his magical Ori powers at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, then we have Scourge, uh, where we have. Mostly takes place off Earth, or we have an IOA gamma site where we get these carnivorous bugs start eating people. Uh, but it's yeah. civilians, so it's more paperwork of, I'm sorry, um, your husband died. Where was he? That's classified. How did he die? That's classified. Where is he now? Can I see him? That's classified. 
hey, you got to cover up this stuff somehow. Yeah. Now, yeah. we got the whole meta story going on of you know, the Ori, that's cool, the, the Arthurian storyline they have running through with Camelot. None of that is too big of exposure, except a lot of it takes place on Earth, but it's the concept of the ancients have been involved on Earth for a long time. And a lot of our right. stories that we tell ourselves, you know, the stories of King Arthur and Camelot and Merlin, all happened. And that Merlin actually is a legit person. He's an ancient who has ascended and descended and is back on Earth and is living on another planet. None of that really exposes other than talking about, you know, this has been happening a lot longer than just the last 40 years. Uh, since, well, it's, okay, the 80 years since we found the Stargate in the 20s that you know, the ancients didn't leave Earth as long ago as we, as we thought, that they've actually been on Earth. Some of them have been around for a long time. So it's more of a, okay, this is a different twist on the story. Now, I would say, probably agrees, Season 9 changes the story quite a bit with the Ori. It, it was still an alien story, but it's a different right. approach to it on there. So season nine, I mean, you know, call it what it is. It's it's a soft reboot, yeah. and it's basically Stargate SG one point five. Um, you know, it, while there's certainly a lot of the same characters, we have Jackson and Carter and Teal'c, and they're all. But we get, but we say goodbye to O'Neill. We say hello to General Landry. We've already said goodbye to General Hammond earlier. Um, we say hello to uh, Cameron Mitchell. Um, you know, and, and then we say hello to Vala Maldoran, and then we have, with the Gould's ultimate defeat at the end of season eight, we bring in this new bad guy, uh, which is basically a, an ascended being who is evil yeah. and not benevolent. Which is a cool story. Uh, I, I like the concept of the Ori. I, I do too. Yeah, it, I do too. It, maybe it could have been done better, but I'm not going to try to rewrite things. But I like this evil ancients, the evil ascended, because you know we've got everybody who we've seen before. We've got Anubis as the sort of evil, but this is kind of a different take on it altogether. And right. it's an interesting concept. I appreciated what it what it was. Was it the best Stargate? No, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Right. I would just say this, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more when we finally get to seasons nine and ten and walking through the Stargate, is that um, my only major complaint with the Ori storyline of seasons nine and ten and then um, uh, Arc of Truth is, is that it just, it wraps up too quickly. Yeah. Well, it uh, um, kind of had and, and, yeah, it does. And, and and that's not a complaint of, I mean, and that's just because, well, they decided not to renew it for an 11th season. And so they had to bring it to a, a conclusion, uh, a place where they could, uh, you know, wrap that up a bit. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it happens too quickly, but I actually like, I like the development of uh, false gods who were basically just glorified, you know, mustache twirlers right. in the Gua world. And then we turn out that uh, they actually do have teeth uh, when we look at Ball and some of the other system lords later on. Um, and then, of course, certainly Anubis, although Anubis is a special character. Um, and then we get to the Ori, who 
legitimately are calling themselves call, also calling themselves gods and actually have more uh, godlike abilities yeah. and powers and are willing to use it and are actively evangelizing uh, so it it is an expansion but a raising of the stakes yeah. they can back uh, up their claims before. their followers yeah. actually do stuff you know they get power from their followers unlike the ghoul who just want to rule over them they don't really get any power apart from slaves but the ori draw power from their right. worshipers and their expansion as they expand they do grow in power not just getting territory but they get more powerful including you know right i love the supergate yes yeah, that, the supergate that, that's cool. a lot of fun so i agree with you i i like the concept but it was they were running out of steam the sci-fi channel was changing and they said well, okay that's the end uh we'll end it here we'll finish off in a movie and then maybe we get one more out of it so right but again that's a yep. story for another time but that does right. bring us to um, season 10, or the last SG-1 season. Only to me, if I think about it, and was, I was looking over the stories, four major exposure points. At this point, we got to assume that a lot of people know about it. They're not trying too hard to cover things up. Uh, we get an all-cash shot down on Earth in the episode uh, Insiders. And who's piloting that all-cash? Ball! Ball. Which ball is it? Well, it turns out this ball is looking for help from Earth because of the other balls. So, yeah, that right. that's an interesting one. And as a question I'd like to discuss with you at some point, how, how would you pronounce Ball? Because Ball is a Canaanite deity. He's, you know, mentioned in the Bible. And, and I'm reading those stories in our church stories. We always pronounce it Baal. So... So I, I think that, um, well, a it's a Canaanite god, yeah. so it would be a Canaanite pronunciation, um, and, and we don't know that for a fact. Yeah. Obviously, in Stargate, it's Baal. Yeah. I've heard Baal. Uh, I suspect that it's probably something more closer to a Baal. Yeah, it's got that little thing. apostrophe in there. Um. You know, so it's almost a two-syllable type of thing. Uh, I did study Hebrew in seminary, but I was so awful at it that my Hebrew sucks now. It basically is non-existent. Uh, so, um, and and I was studying to read it, not to speak yeah. it. I um, I had read something because I I looked it up and said, "What would you?" Per proper way to pronounce it and some linguistic person theorized well it should be kind of a ball a falling a rather than ball not bail not baal but more of a ball so i i don't know it's so yeah i mean as you look at it it is b a apostrophe a l and um hebrew is a language that you kind of pronounce each of your syllables it's a, it's basically a syllabic language uh, in, in a lot of ways. And that's that's oversimplifying yeah. things. It's way more complicated than but that. But it also goes um, against now. Everyone on the show pronounces ghoul differently. That's true. Even you and I pronounce ghoul differently. So it's all good. Well, 
I pronounce ghoul differently. Sometimes I'm like gould, and sometimes like guaul. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes guaul. I always liked Hammond's <laughs> pronunciation of gould. He kind of gould. swallows that G and draws out the old. It's the gould. Gould. <laughs> okay, anyway, season 10. We got Ball again looking for help to be saved from another ball. But mm-hmm. probably the big one, the big fun one, is episode 200, which is entitled 200. 200. Where we get Marty back. Marty! And what's Marty doing? Marty is uh, trying to write a movie uh, about Stargate Wormhole Extreme. Um, and then after a whole lot of uh, convoluted stuff at the end of the episode, he, uh, they take the movie off the table and they're coming back with the show again. Yep. Uh, yeah, wasn't the premise that the show was made, canceled within like five episodes, but gained this huge cult following or canceled after one season, yeah. a la Firefly. So yep. there was a huge following for it. So I'm going to bring it back as a movie. And he comes to the Stargate uh, SG, those guys, you know, my words, um, looking for stories. And everyone tells yes. their own stories and what they think would yep. be good. And it it's a fun episode. Uh, it's a silly episode. I will get it. It's also it is a silly. Episode. It's also in me kind of a sad episode because it was after that one was made is when they announced the show had been canceled. Yeah, it was like the next day. Congratulations on your two hundredth episode. That's it. Bye. Yeah, I, it's a. Fun, I, uh, I, I am. I'm very thankful that they made that announcement. Um. You know, at that point in time, so that the writers and the people had a chance to do what they needed to do to wrap the story up so that they could bring the story to a conclusion. Uh, Whereas with Universe, it just sort of stops. Yeah. That's my understanding. Yeah. They were able to end it. Even with Atlantis, it was a bit of a rushed ending for those who hang, hang through the five seasons. You could tell that, oh, they're moving things along quickly here. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and it's over. But they did end it, unlike Universe, which says, uh, you're done. Bye. Well, where's the destiny going? I don't know. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. So maybe they'll bring him back. That's, again, kind of the rumored of if they come up with another Stargate show, will they show us what happened to the destiny? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. But we got two more episodes by my count that dealt with some type of exposure. They mainly get throwaways at this point because we're kind of wrapping it up. We get bounty where we get alien bounty hunters on Earth. And it's not our favorite bounty hunter from season three or season four, whose name I can't remember. Um, That guy, yeah. Yeah, yep. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. And they set him up. He should have been a recurring character. He could have been a recurring character. He could have showed up as necessary. They could have used him here, but these are bad guy ba- bounty hunters on earth right and then the yeah the, the last one where vala's father comes to earth and he kind of he i don't say he hacks in but he communicates and says there's a threat coming you need to do this he shows up and then what does he do he starts running scams because you know he's a grifter like his daughter was and yeah. he sets some phony yeah. charities he runs some tv uh fundraisers all just for a laugh and whatever. But it's, again, some alien coming to Earth and 
doing goofy stuff on there. But there wasn't actually, as I said, in the last two seasons, apart from some big points like um, the Fourth Horseman and Ex Deus Machina, which are big Earth right. at Risk programs, and then maybe 200, which is let's revive the show that exposed the Stargate program. There's not a lot of big exposure points on there, because I think I would I do want to yeah. I would want to add sure. one um, to some degree, and you you can argue whether or not this is an exposure point, but the final episode of Stargate. SG-1, um, the Asgard says we're going to die, and so we're going to give you all of our knowledge. Yeah, there's that. Um, and obviously, since it's the final episode, um, they don't get to use that. Uh, you don't get to see what happens with that in that moment. But um, the Earth just all of a sudden got a giant computer system that uh, rockets them hundreds, if not thousands of years into the technological, if not millions of years into the technological future. Um, And while that isn't an exposure point per se, it certainly has uh, a radical transformation of what uh, human civilization on Earth is going to end up being moving forward. Uh, even as they take that, um, and so much of it is so far advanced that they don't really understand what to do with yeah. it, and so they just kind of take small little snippets of it. But even that, um, I, I would say, is is an element of some kind of exposure. Yeah, it is, because um, it's, uh, we can now do this. Where'd you get that information from? Space? Uh, uh, some guy? I, we found a laptop. I don't know, but yeah, it Joe, <laughs> Joe did it. Citizen Joe. Sure, why not? Uh, but if he was you, a barber. If you think of the movie and Heroes, uh, that's kind of what they're leading towards. Is you know we've been out there doing stuff. We made enemies and we made friends, and uh, one of our friends gave us some stuff, and yeah. we're gonna do stuff with it. Now in the show, they don't, because. Yeah, it's the end of the Asgard, and that's towards the end of season eight, if I recall, when the Asgard commits suicide and helps to wipe out the replicators. Again, I could be off of my timelines a little bit, maybe in season nine, because there's still replicators, there's still a few gold balls still around. But as you said, right. without being episode specific, the Asgard say, We're done, and here's everything, bye. And yeah, we get this huge core dump of the vast knowledge of the Asgard. Now, mm-hmm. it's not the last of the Asgard. As for those of us who have gone through all of Atlantis, the Asgard do show up in Atlantis. It's just a different group of Asgard. Uh, it's, uh, I think they refer to them as the Veneer, uh, but they are an Asgard offshoot. So that's also a potential. Okay, what do those Asgard think about us humans getting all their Asgard technology? Right. So... That is our list, our walkthrough of seasons 6 through 10 of Stargate SG-1 and the ways the program and the systems have been exposed to people uh, and has transformed and changed the way humanity experiences uh, life, even, with all of that stuff. Now, of course, you know, 
Zach and I are human, we may missed a few episodes. We may have glanced over a few, may skip some altogether, and we're also deal with our own biases on what is or is not. So if you all have some other ones you want to talk about, tell us, what did we miss? Are there any other cool exposures? Yeah. And as... I mean, it's been... It's been easy. So I, the last time I saw these episodes was well before we started the podcast. Yeah. And so we've been going for a good solid two years now. So it's been at least three years since I've seen like seasons eight, nine, ten. Right. Uh, so it's been a long time for me. <laughs> and this is just one aspect of the Stargate meta story that we wanted to focus on mm-hmm. in these two episodes is you know, based off of an off-handed comment of, well, how many people know about the Stargate program after all this? And you can, if we look at it, as we've done, there's a lot and a lot more exposure of this little secret program than we may really have thought about. Mm-hmm. That's not to mm-hmm. say there aren't a lot of other stories happening in, in Stargate, because we didn't talk about a lot of the other cool stuff. Obviously, we touched a little bit on the Ori, a little bit on the uh, New Jaffa Nation, there's a lot more cool stories to talk about, a lot more stuff to us to deep dive into. So, mm-hmm. if you've got ideas for us to talk about, we're more than happy to entertain that and do a deep dive into it. So, send us your emails, send us your letters. Lettuce? Lettuce? Don't send us your no, lettuce. No, no, no. Or, or I, if you want to send the... I'm, if you need to send us lettuce, you let me know, and I'll give you David's address, and you can send it to I, David. I'm happy to eat, I'm happy to eat my, my leafy greens, so I, I like a nice salad. So, yeah, go ahead and send me your lettuce with a note about, well, what about this plot point? And we'll make an episode about it, because we're always looking for, for stuff to talk about. Uh, and if you don't yeah. do it, then it's just going to be up to Zach and I to come up with ideas. And you don't want us exposing ourselves. Sorry, that's a quote from from Ghostbusters. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, where are you going with this one? Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, that being said, uh, let us know what you thought. What did we miss? What did you like? What do you not agree with? What are your ideas for the future regarding anything you want to hear us talk about and anything yeah. about this episode? We'd love to hear from you. Indeed. So, uh, so with that, until then, yeah. I'll say I'm Zach. And I'm David. And this has been The Other Side of the Gate. See you next time. See you next time. We have got the best jobs in the world, don't we? I'm going to hit the shower. I'm going to find the doctor. We are indeed suitably employed. Yeah.